Graphic design? Can you make a living at that? Three, two, one, fun, 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 Welcome to Design Futures, a show about what happens after design school. I'm Chris St. Cyr, and my guest on this episode is Whitney Dobladio. It's great to see you. It's great to see you too. Long time no see, except not really. Not really. Yeah. Whitney is a designer in the digital service department at Scholastic, where she designs assets for teacher and parent websites and other social media platforms. She is an alum of Type Thursday, the New York City chapter lead for ladies, wine, and design. And she is the co-founder with her sister of the community Peruvian Sisters. She is a 2015 graduate of the College of St. Rose. Hey, that was quite an intro. Well, you're quite a person, <laughs> right? That's the intro. I mean, I'm just, I didn't make up any of that stuff. That's all you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so how you been? You're back in the city. Yeah, I'm back and in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. What part of Brooklyn do you live in? Williamsburg. It seems like everybody lives in Williamsburg. Yeah, do you like it there? Yeah, it's really creative. I love meeting people. And also a lot of my friends are either in the area or right around. So it's a, it's a good middle point. That's good. So we got some things to talk about. Obviously, we, we've, we've talked before, and you're super active in different communities. And we spend a lot of time talking about that. Before we get to that, let's talk about your job at Scholastic. That's not your first job out of school. So you've been there a few years, and you did some other work. So what do you do as a digital designer at Scholastic? Yeah, so when I first started, I was hired to basically solely work on social media. And then I transitioned into more website, collateral pages for teachers and parents. There's so many different websites that Scholastic has because there's tons of departments and, and it's a very, very large company. After, I wanna say year and a half, two years, there are other designers on my team with me, but there's five of us, but then we also have UX UI people on my team. So in my team, there's 13, but then in terms of graphic designers, there's about four or five. Mm -hmm. And at one point, my art director decided to switch everyone around because we were so used to working on other people's, uh, we, we would fill in for them, obviously, if they were out. And because we were just so used to, and we like have touched everyone else's uh, projects, we kind of shifted. So I went from doing newsletters and working on parents and teachers to now doing more social media again. And I work with editors and we also plan. So I also work with marketing and it's a lot of planning and then, but it's really cool to see, to be a part of the planning process and then also the creative process. And so where, where does your position fall within like the hierarchy of the team you report to a creative director design director or i have my art director who i report to and you know my whole team we have once a week meetings where we all share what we've been working on you know get feedback if so if like need be and um in terms of i guess hierarchy there are the leaders and then there's designers but there's no juniors or or you know like beginner level positions. You're, is a digital designer is your title? Yes. Is that right? 
And there are other digital designers or are you the only digital designer? Yeah, there's digital designers, there's contractors. So that's the thing, not oh, all okay. of us are full-time. Some of us are contractors. So um, like I said, there's no beginning, like junior level positions, there's contractors and then there's you know the mid-level leads mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And you've been out of school a few years. Uh, what's the range of salary that somebody in your position is, is looking at? So when I started, which was as a contractor and then moved to full-time, I would say the shift was between 70 and 80. And then the next level up, if you were to stay at the company, what's, like, what would be a promotion to, to what level? I guess senior. Senior, senior designer? designer? Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. So yeah, my only reference to Scholastic these days is like the school, you know, book fair where, you know, the kid, know. The, kid the kids go and they, they want to go to like, they want to go to the book fair, but they don't want to buy books. They want to buy like, I want to buy the posters and all the pens and all the gadgety things. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's called the klutz department. That's more of like the toys, the crafts, the journals, the cool, oh, yeah. the cool, like, yeah, I, I, I know all of this stuff now <laughs> being so so involved in it but it's really funny because this is the biggest company i've worked for so far and bringing up scholastic or even just saying scholastic that's where i work it brings this immediate nostalgia to whoever i'm talking to and they just get such a big smile on their face and it brings them back and they're like i love the book fairs that was my favorite part of my childhood and they start talking about some of the books they write. And I'm like, we still have that. I'm like, yeah. we actually still have that. I'm actually really, it, it was really interesting starting because I don't design the books. So that was another question I get. It's like, oh, you do design the books, but no, that's another department. Yeah. Seeing these book titles that I have not thought about that have not been in my mind for years, but then seeing these titles pop up and I immediately get a flashback. And I'm like, yeah. I remember religiously like going through these picture books and being so obsessed with this character and being really surprised that they still sell these books and mm-hmm. it still is touching so many little kids their hearts their lives like they're teaching them how to read it's it's a really great company to be involved with it is such a nostalgic inducing name of a company you know like when you yeah that's probably part of their brand, right? It's it's like when yeah. you say when you say scholastic, they immediately are brought back to their childhood. The word just the word scholastic brings up all these memories for a lot of people, you know. Yes, internationally too, because you would think it's just the US, but there's also headquarters in other countries. So I could probably be in the UK and say I work for scholastic and it would still be the same reaction. You know, one of the things that we certainly I'm certainly interested in, in hearing about you're very active in in lots of different communities. I wondered, you know, as we transition to that, are there things that Scholastic, are there are there uh, community programs that Scholastic does as a large company that uh, that you're aware of or maybe you're involved in or you're curious about? Is there something, you know, uh, that connects uh, Scholastic and this huge company that is involved with, you know, reading? very important part of our, our lives uh, with your interest in building community and you know that that part that sort of sits outside of design. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up because we actually have an employee book club. And once again, before this company, I've never been 
included or like involved or like wanted to really be a part of a book club because I always picture them being very serious at least yeah. from like TV or something where it's a group of women and like okay turn to page 62 line three and it's gonna like, be a test like very intense and and yeah. not casual but when I met the librarian because we actually have a library in of course you do <laughs> in the office, uh, the librarian, she's so cool. She's this black woman named Demosa. And she's been, I wanna say like a huge mentor uh, throughout my scholastic career. And sometimes when I would be on a break or something, I would just head to the library and just chat with her. And she told me that there's an employee book club and she said, you should get involved, you should come. It's very casual, it's just a conversation. And out of curiosity, also because I've never been in a book club before, I joined and I loved it. It was, I, I probably was the most outspoken person in that first meeting, at least the first meeting for I me. I absolutely have no doubt about that, <laughs> knowing you. And I, I, I loved it so much because it's just conversation, it's debate, it's what do you think of this? Or how did you yeah. take this? Maybe I, maybe another person interpreted it differently. And, right. it's, and it's really interesting to get different perspectives, but she always, make sure that every book that we read is diverse, a diverse author. She's really on top of it. And I love, I appreciate her so much for that. She got me hooked onto reading because I never actually used to be hooked onto reading. I'm well, actually in a book club right now, which I haven't really been in one. And all the ones I've heard about, they're all like you're talking about, they're very casual. They're just- I love that. It's, it's yeah. a conversation, just like what we're having right now. Yeah, they're-, they're there's a lot of conversation that ends up not being about the book. <laughs> I know you, there's a lot of times where you get sidetracked, but then you uh, yeah. get reel it yep. back in. That sounds like every other book club <laughs> I know about. Yeah. So let's talk about all, all those other communities. I mentioned that you're an alum of Type Thursday, and that's that's one we certainly want to talk about because it's, you know, that connection to design. And I also, I was curious about your involvement in that too, because there was uh, somebody previously on the podcast that attended uh, an event, and there's this wonderful story about meeting somebody and that leading to an internship and eventually a job. And um, so can you, um, you know, talk about what Type Thursday is and what, what your involvement was with it? Yes. So after graduating, I didn't have a job right away. I was living in Long Island, but I would commute into the city and attend so many design events. I attended all of them. As you should, as a student right out of our recent I graduate. Time. I was trying to network. I was trying to find a job. I stumbled across Type Thursday on Eventbrite. It sounded pretty cool. It was just a meetup of people at a bar to show work, get feedback. I thought, this sounds really cool. I want to give it a try. So I didn't realize that in attending that Type Thursday meetup, that was the first one ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I met the founder, Thomas Jockin, who ended up being like my friend, my mentor still is. And all of these people, there was probably about eight of us. And it was in a cramped bar. It was really poorly lit. We had our cell phone lights on to look at everyone's work and give feedback. I remember I brought my senior thesis to get feedback on because that was my latest project at the time. I loved it. I had a great time. And then I ended up 
getting a job afterwards. So I wasn't attending type Thursday because it ended up being a monthly thing. I kind of stopped going for a while, but I still subscribed to the newsletter. A year later, I ended up seeing a newsletter where a type Thursday was going to be at the Google headquarters. And I thought, whoa, I'm like, that's crazy because we were just at a bar a year ago and now they're at Google headquarters. I'm like, this is blown up. I want to attend this one. And I get there and the founder, Thomas, remembered me from a year ago. He's like, Whitney, he's like, how have you been? And it was massive. This was such a huge event. It was Google and people were projecting their work on a big screen. It was very comforting. There was lots of laughs. There was great friendships made. I met a lot of people and I just saw how close the Type Thursday team was. It's all volunteers. I saw how close they were and I, I really admired that and I wanted to get involved. So I kept going. I became a volunteer with Type Thursday. So I became like part of the team I eventually became a chapter lead, which is essentially the organizer of all the events. So I had a team below me. I had a photographer. I had a welcome lead. I had a dialogue lead, all of these. So I was in charge of a team below me. I was in charge of putting on the events. I was in charge of the permanent spot was type directors club, which was couldn't be, couldn't be more perfect for an event like that. And it taught me a lot of valuable skills, working with a team, managing a team, public speaking. And I love that. I was able to do all of these things through Type Thursday. And it has helped me in a lot of assets in my life, not just professionally, but personally too. And I am eternally grateful for Type Thursday. After being a chapter lead for about a year and a half, uh, the founder, Thomas, was like, okay, he's like, I think you should be an ambassador now because Type Thursday isn't just an organization in New York City, it's actually around the world. There's different chapters in the US, but also in Europe and in South America now. And he wanted me to help with coping chapters, some chapters that might've been struggling with, with certain things. So for the, I think this was 2019, he gave me a budget for the year and I had to work with that. He flew me out to San Francisco, London, and LA, all in one year to help oh, with the sense. chapters. Right. So I, I was like, this is, this is great. I'm getting paid to do what I love to do and to meet type other people, the Type Thursday family. Yeah. So it was an incredible experience. And then coming into 2020, my instead of going to different chapters, the next thing was going to conferences. Mm -hmm. So that was my next step was going to conferences to talk to people there, meet people there in hopes of getting them to start type Thursday chapters in their own home cities, like their home, like, yeah, their hometowns. That was the next step. I was only able to attend one conference in the beginning of 2020, which was a design conference in Peru, in Lima, Peru, which is not too far from where my family lives. So that just happens to be, it, it that all just like that was fate and that was actually really mind-blowing to me because that was my first time attending a conference a design conference in another country but also it was a bilingual conference where right. for the first time ever learning design in just america seeing the way people talk about it not only just in spanish but also in english and seeing how much people 
from other parts of the world understand like design is so universal and it's the same things that they talk about the same problems <laughs> the same the, the same letting thing. letting is the same no matter what language we're speaking exactly <laughs> and that was so mind-blowing i love that i made so many design friends in peru and when it's safe to go back, like I get to go and visit my design friends in Peru, my family, you know, more reasons to go back to Peru. Right. Yeah. That's so great because you have a, a personal connection. Yeah. yeah, it's it was it was really great. But then unfortunately the pandemic happened and I wasn't able to attend Letter West, which was supposed to be other conference. Mm -hmm. And then but then that ended up getting canceled anyways because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. And so you said you were getting paid. Was this were you, did you have a full-time job as well as doing this? Or was yeah, this, I was at Scholastic. You know? I was okay. using my vacation time, right. my vacation time off to travel for Type Thursday. They completely understood. They thought it was amazing what, you know, they were allowing me to do. You know, I definitely ran out of some vacation time during the holidays, but it's okay because everyone takes off during the holidays. So it was pretty quiet anyways. It's a meetup and you project your typography on on the wall and it's a critique is that like the basic idea that you show work and just talk about the work on uh, being presented yeah so people come in well there's already a set number of presenters that already have submitted their work mm -hmm. and then that gets projected on a screen they come up they present their work they talk about their challenges and then it gets opened up to the floor, the audience, and everyone there, which ranges from students to you know professionals that have been in the industry for like 30 plus years, you know, just a whole range of people, which is great. And it's a dialogue, it's a conversation. They go back and forth, answering questions, asking questions, have you thought about doing this? And, and it's really helpful because then you see people that have started a typeface and in the beginning stages, they come present. And then maybe like a few months later, they come back and you see such a progression of their work based off of like what we've given them and also you know what they have decided to move forward with because you know everything is su a suggestion you don't have right. to take it but you right. can if you want to yeah. and that's that's one part of it that's probably one of the main parts but the beginning of the event and towards the end of the event is all just I want to say networking, but I kind of hate that word because there's a bad connotation to that word. No, it's this is what just, it is. <laughs> it's it's really just meeting people. It's just right. saying hi and 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 just meeting like-minded people. You want to be around like-minded people. That's all of what community is about. Right. And you never know who you end up sitting next to, which goes back to one of your previous episodes, your interviews. Someone ended up sitting next to one of my friends who happened to be looking for an intern at her company. They just randomly started talking and that led to not only just her internship at the job, but now full-time employee at that job. So you never know where these connections, where these relationships will happen. Yeah, I think networking can be seen as a, as a word. It's like the hard sell. You can look at networking as just like you're talking about. It's just just go and meet new people and have conversations and talk about things that you have a connection uh, with. So one of those other communities, the, the ladies wine and design, that's another design related thing, but that's something you're involved in currently, right? You're, you're, you're active in, in that at the moment, right? So what is that and, and what's your lead role there? Okay. So once again, this 
kind of it all happened because of type Thursday it type Thursday definitely led to different avenues for me so because I started because I have this experience now of community organizing event organizing managing teams managing roles all these things I was in London at the time I remember I was in London for type Thursday when I was looking at Jessica Walsh's Instagram and she was saying that she wanted to, she was looking for a chapter lead of her Ladies Wine Design, which is her non-for-profit that she started for, and it's also events, but this time it's for women and non-binary creatives. And this whole thing started because Jessica noticed that there aren't a lot of lead roles for women in the design field. And not only that, I think, well, maybe a reason because of that, women get so competitive with each other because they feel like they're fighting with each other to get in these higher roles, higher positions. So she wanted to create this community for women to not pit it against each other, but actually to collaborate, to come together and to create you know, mentorships and opportunities for women and non-binary creatives which I have been to events, um, there's a Brooklyn chapter, but there was never a New York City chapter. So that is what she was looking to fill. She wanted to hire someone to actually be the New York City chapter lead. I would, thought to myself, I'm like, wow, I'm like, this sounds cool, but I'm like, do I have the bandwidth? I'm already working, I'm already <laughs> doing Type Thursday. I'm traveling for Type Thursday, but this seems like a really cool opportunity. Yeah. So I reached out, I said my experience with Type Thursday, I'm already a chapter lead, I, I have the, the skills, and they called me into the office to interview, and they were looking for two people to fill the roles, it's two people to be co-host of Ladies Wine Design New York City. So I ended up, um, you know, getting hired as one of the chapter leads, and then my co-host is not a designer. She's actually a professional event planner. So they thought, okay, if we put these two people together, I think this would be like a good match. And it surely enough, it did. And what I love is that they hired two women of color. So she's Asian and I'm Latina. So what I love about that is that, you know, you see that representation, that New York City right. representation right there. So we were putting on events and a lot of people reached out because you know, Jessica's name was involved in it. So a lot of people wanted to work with us. It was great and all, but then when it came to this global event, that was really stressful. I never did anything that huge before, but the experience was great. The experience was great because it wasn't just me. It was my co-host, but it also was Jessica's team. And then Jessica later on got involved too. I would, after work, I would go to the location of where we were having the event. We would plan out the setup, being who I am and wanting to make sure that we have a diverse list of speakers. Like they were listing out all these people, but I was like, wait, no, I'm like, but we, we can use more people of color here. We can use more BIPOC here or, you know, black indigenous women of color, right? Or non-binary, right? Everything was getting more intense, but then you know what? The pandemic happened. Yeah. And that was a no-go anymore. In the summer, we ended up doing a virtual one, which was still fine. You did? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna... yeah it was still it was still community. It, we did it like, I don't know, 3, 8, 3 p.m. here, but 
some women joined from around the world where they were like, it's 4 a.m. where I'm at, but right. <laughs> and I'm drinking wine too. <laughs> but they say, you don't actually have to drink wine. You don't have to be, you don't have to drink wine at the events. It's just for the name. What would be some examples of, you know, the what, what takes place at the event? So every event varies really because sometimes we have people lined up that want to work with us. So if they're a fashion brand, then that's already a theme right there. Okay, this is going to be a fashion theme. Or if it's type related, like we did a type event. All these events kind of vary on like who wants to work with us, who wants to partner with us. Recently, my co-host and I did a virtual portfolio review for mm -hmm. students there was probably like 40 students in this virtual event and we did breakout rooms. And my co-host and I were just jumping through rooms here and there just seeing how it went. And the feedback that we got, not just from the students, but from the reviewers. And they're saying that like, this was so great to see the work that students are doing. It, it's refreshing and everyone got so much out of it. So that was a recent event. That was a really right. successful event. I'm, I was really happy with that one. So another question about that. So, you know, this, it's very specific about women and um, non-binary and like empowering that community. So do you have programming that's about like leadership skills or networking or like the business side of uh, the creative fields and sort of helping, you know, your community, you know, when they're confronted with certain issues that might be about like uh, discrimination or, you know, like sexism or things like that, are there is that part of, um, you know, the programming for uh, this, this group? Definitely. And because my co-host and I haven't hosted many events lately because of the pandemic and also in person, we only maybe had four events, mm -hmm. but there is the Brooklyn chapter who basically is a sister chapter to us. We've collaborated with them before. And I've also attended a bunch of their, their events and they've done inclusive events and uh, sexual harassment events and empowerment events and, and pleasure events and all these different topics. So it's definitely been, been done before, but you know, each chapter is there to do what they want. But right. of course it's always about um, being inclusive, diverse, empowering business, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you're a uh, New York City chapter lead. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this this last uh, project that you're working. I'm particularly interested in Peruvian Sisters because it's something you're doing with a sibling. Like, <laughs> and I watched I watched some of your videos. I love the one with the video with <laughs> you and your sister and your mom uh, with the, like this oh a series of questions. And uh, I, I was so curious. I'm like, oh, how is this going to go? Just the idea of of doing working on a project with your, with your sibling, that sounds fascinating to me. I'm so curious about that part, but, but also, you know, the, you know, the, the big idea behind it. So what's uh, Peruvian sisters? How did it start? My background, my ethnicity, who I am, I always present myself as Peruvian American, first generation Peruvian American. And I take a lot of pride in that. And I think I started really acknowledging and trying to put my pride out there more towards the end of college, I wanna say, which is really interesting because going back to when we were talking about how to pronounce my last name, during the process of internships, I was reviewing my resume and everything with Chris Herrick, 
And she asked me, how do you pronounce your last name? And I used to pronounce it in a very American way and what people thought it like oh it looks like this so it probably sounds like this and people would butcher it a lot too sure and she asked me how do you say it in Spanish because she knew that I'm Latina and I said dobladillo and she goes yeah you should start saying it like that and I I, I was kind of surprised but it really like she I don't think she realizes how much that affected me because it wasn't until that moment right then and there where that's when I started changing the pronunciation of my last name. This is who I am. And I'm not going to change the way my name was given to me. And there, you know, little by little, like this pride started coming out of, and not that it wasn't always there, like, you know, I'm Peruvian. The, my parents came here to provide a better life for my siblings and I and I wanted to really show that. And I think the older we get, the more we do appreciate our parents and what they do for us, the hardships, the barriers, the sacrifices they make. It started with that, you know, I'm first generation. That also says a lot because I grew up doing things, kind of being the first, because even though I was born American, I was raised Peruvian by immigrant parents. Right. So there's a lot of difficulties and, and uh, headbutting right there. <laughs> But, you know, the good thing is that I don't have to really face it alone because I have my siblings. I have my sister who I'm really close with and social media really helped me a lot in not feeling completely outcasted in being an, a child of, an, of immigrants and being Peruvian, being Latina. So seeing all these, finding all of these Peruvian accounts and feeling very related and belonging, you know, a community. I really started finding a community online, on social media. And of course, being a designer, there's things that I see and I'm like, well, if I were to design something like that, I think <laughs> I would do it differently. So there was ideas that I would get and I'm like, oh, this would be a funny meme or this would be a great thing to do. But my audience isn't necessarily just Peruvian. And I think all of these ideas kind of started stirring up. My sister and I started talking about collaborating together, being partners. And it's great because exactly, I don't have to have the pressure fully just on me. It's a partnership. We've been wanting to collaborate and we got busy. Things got busy. So we kind of stopped talking about it. But then because of the pandemic, we, right. you know, all these things that were busy once before were no more. And we started talking about it, planning more. And we created this community online called Peruvian Sisters. And it's just to celebrate who we are, to give more representation, because I know a lot of people, I, I love hearing stories too. I love story sharing about people's lives. It's intriguing to me. It's a way to connect. So that's how this started. And we launched it in July, because that's Independence Month for Peru. It's at the end okay. of July. And it's been blowing up. People have been reacting to it so like positively and telling us how much they relate and how much they really enjoy the content and the design. And it's really great and fulfilling to hear that something that I design really makes an impact on people's lives. And not only that, but I wanna show, once again, going back to representation, but showing all types of representation of Peru, because there's uh, Afro-Peruvians, there's indigenous people from Peru, there's all these different layers. And I wanna show all of it. I'm not trying to just show one side of Peru. My sister and I work together in talking things through, you know, planning things out. 
And it's not just on Instagram now, we moved content to YouTube and I wanted to talk about serious things like racism, things that happen, not necessarily just in Peru, like this happens in America too. So it's education, it's for celebration, it's for representation, it's for all of these things. And we're trying to make things as accessible as possible. And we're getting close to reaching our one year. And I'm really excited for that because we're also trying to plan some community meetup for that because I know people have been longing for that since the <laughs> pandemic. So it's been it's been a great journey and yeah. it's it's really rewarding because when I'm not working at Scholastic or doing things for that, I get a lot of fulfillment in reading and learning about my culture and it's very healing. Yeah. And it makes me feel really connected to my roots. One of the one of the other videos that I watched was um, I think it was a Peruvian uh, celebration in New Jersey. Pat Patterson? Patterson? Yes. Is there a big Peruvian community, a population in that part of New Jersey? Yeah, so it makes oh, okay. me really happy because I'm so happy that I grew up in New York because not only am I really close to the city, but I'm not that far from New Jersey. And New Jersey just happens to be a, a town called Patterson. It's also known as Little Lima. Lima yeah. is the capital of Peru. So that during um, Independence Month, the end of July, July 28th to be exact, there's always a Peruvian parade, just like how there's like a New York, like Puerto Rican day parade in New York yeah. City, a Peruvian one in New Jersey. And my family and I, it was tradition. We would go every year, eat all day. And I would just be surrounded by so many Peruvians. And it just made me feel so seen. And it was very impactful, very liberating, very, I just can't even describe the feeling. It, it was just incredible. It made me feel like I was back in Peru with my extended family. Um, one of the things that I want to make sure we, we cover is St. Rose and, and before St. Rose, you know, you were, you were a student of mine there, but so connecting it to the community and family is part of a big part of your life, obviously, and, and particularly this, this project you're working on with a sibling. What was growing up like? Was there uh, community activism? Was there art? Was there design? Actually, I was a really shy kid. I did not speak. I absolutely do not believe that. I'm going to have to talk to your parents and other siblings. I will, I will explain why. This, this, this is, will make sense. Okay. My first language was Spanish because that's what we would speak at home. And when I went to kindergarten, I still was learning English. I actually did not fully have like a grasp of English yet. That's why I wouldn't sure. speak. That's why I wouldn't talk to people. That in, in being really shy, I think that's when I really just went into my art. So were you in like high school clubs, like, you know, whatever the high school clubs are? Creative clubs. Yeah. Like I did yeah. like scrapbooking club. Yeah. I did um, French club where we like made food and grapes and things like that. Sports. That was yeah. also another thing. Sports definitely got me really outgoing too. And then you came to St. Rose, which I remember, I just remember you being very very vocal, lots of energy, like speaking for the group. Uh, you had a, a very, what I remember is a kind of a close knit community of classmates. And mm -hmm. uh, that probably has something to do with you. And how did you end up in upstate New York at, at St. Rose? So I started checking out these city schools and I applied to them. And then I knew I also wanted to live away from home. But I knew if I attended school in the city, I would have had to commute from Long Island. So the furthest place I ended up applying to 
was upstate New York, which was St. Rose. And I only found out about St. Rose because my best friend's older sister went to St. Rose. She was also a graphic designer. I talked to her about graphic design. I didn't know what that was. She explained it to me. And I thought that was kind of cool. I'm like, okay, well, if I do go to the school, I will know someone already. Like not even just someone at the college, like someone in the design program, like she'll be there. I ended up getting accepted to these schools. And when it, when I narrowed it down to the last two schools, it was SVA, School of Visual Arts and St. Rose. Uh, I ended up picking St. Rose because different factors, but you know, more pros than cons. Mm -hmm. And it was the furthest school. So I would be able to live away from home and I would know someone already, like I mentioned, my best friend's older sister. And also they gave me the most financial aid. Yeah, so That's, all, that all always helps. <laughs> yeah. All these factors led me to St. Rose, which I'm really happy I ended up going to. My, you know, the group of friends that I made there, the community, which, yeah. you know, I didn't expect I would make that strong of a community at St. Rose, especially yeah. in my graduating class. But once again, goes back to me and my love for communities. Because you are, you're very active in community and, you know, and just in wanting to build communities and have representation. And a lot of that is a lot of that is challenging. And it also, uh, in some ways, can be about uh, change. So the question, one of the questions that I've been asking a few people, and I, I really want to ask you this question is, what, what needs to change in, say, design education? Yes. Well, first of all, everyone that I remember learning about, pioneers, all of that stuff, everyone was white and a male. In my communities that I'm involved with today, that would not fly. So, <laughs> As it should yes, not fly, yeah. It would just not fly by with me. So, yes, I would say more uh, diverse designers, diverse history. That's one thing I would say is, you know, diversity and inclusion in designers and who, who we learn about, but also in another sense is the faculty. So for me, when I was in school, all of my professors were white. And that doesn't, that does not mean that like, I didn't appreciate, like, I know you guys treated everyone with respect equally. I loved all of you, but I think, I didn't think, I knew that I needed it back then, but looking back at it now, I would have loved to see someone, an educator, a faculty member that looks like me. And I know I'm not the only one. I think, you know, you're a good example of somebody who, if not now, someday will be in one of those positions to represent your community. And, you know, I'm excited to watch what you do next, you know, all the communities that you're involved in and, and being a leader and maybe uh, end up in the classroom someday. <laughs> One can only hope. Let's go to the pop quiz. Okay. Uh, I get a, a few things. Okay. First question in the pop, pop quiz. Ceviche, okay. Pescado or okay. It's either fish or mixed. So like ceviche could just be like just fish or mixa, which means mixed. So that could be like all seafood, like shrimp, calamari, all that stuff. Ah, so which I one love, do you choose? I love all ceviche, but <laughs> I think I would prefer mixa just because you get a little bit of every flavor in there. A little bit of every flavor. Work beverage. 
What do, what do you drink at Scholastic when you're just at the work day? Water. H2O Water. all day. H2- Got to stay hydrated. Well, since you're part of the, com- the community about wine, what's your favorite wine? I love white wine. I really do. Uh, sketchbook, blank or gridded? Blank. Type or image? Type. type. <laughs> I love Type Thursday. Okay. Favorite children's book? Ooh, you know what? I really loved the Arthur books growing up. I remember... <laughs> I remember just being at the library in elementary school and always taking out the same three like Arthur books. (laughs) Uh, Okay, music you design to, you work to. You playing music at work? Yeah, but you know what? That really depends on not even what I'm I'm working on, but my mood. So sometimes I can listen to pop. Sometimes I'll listen to just instrumental music. Or if I'm missing my family, I listen to my parents' music, music that I heard growing up. So it really varies on my mood. Okay, uh, last question. Favorite typeface? Ooh. Anything that I hand letter. Anything? Good answer. Oh, I didn't expect that one. I thought you were going to say Whitney. <laughs> I do use that, though. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. It's a good typeface. It's nice. It is. There's a lot of weights to it. That's why I really enjoy it. Yeah. Got to have one with a lot of weights, lots of flexibility. All right. Uh, you get the final word, final thoughts. Because I've listened to past episodes, I was, was thinking about this one a lot. And I wrote stuff down just so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> oh, great. You, you prepared. Like, You're a good I, student. I did, I did. I did. Okay. This one's, this one's a random one, but it's a good tip. Because uh, students want to attend conferences and conferences can be really expensive. One way to get around that I learned through Tech Thursday is that if you volunteer your time, they will most likely accept you, especially as students, and you can attend the conference for free. So you do your volunteer service and then you enjoy the conference. Another one, this one is really, really important to me is mental health. Your mental health is more valuable than your productivity, honestly. So really listen to your body and what you need, physically, mentally, emotionally, your mental health, is way more important than your productivity. And then lastly, find your community. And if you can't find one, make one. Wow, I don't, I'm speechless. <laughs> what, how, do I, how do I end that? With a uh, mic drop. Yeah, with a mic drop. I'll, I'll add that sound effect in later. <laughs> You're wise beyond your years, Whitney. Thank you. It was great to catch up, great to talk to you. Like I said, I was, so excited to see where all these interests take you. We'll do it again in 10 years and then we'll see where you are. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks. Have a good night. You too, bye. Bye. those tears from your eyes. those tears from your eyes. From your eyes. From your eyes. There are definitely a few things to learn from Whitney. The one thing that stands out though is community. Make your community, find your community, lead your community, be part of the community. Thanks to Whitney Dobladio of Scholastic, Ladies Wine and Design and Peruvian Sisters. If you have any comments or questions for me or any of the guests, please leave them in the comments. And subscribe so you can catch the next episode of Design Futures. Until next time, go learn something. Your future depends on it. Thanks for listening. See ya.